Hey guys, how's it going? This is uh, another 5 to 7 roundtable coming to you. I'm your host, Ari. Uh, Y'all know me, and you guys know George, and you know Michael as well. And we have a special guest of the week, I guess is what you want to call it. Uh, It's a a friend of ours named Atu, and um, he's going to kind of chime in on our subject this this roundtable. And that subject is the American dream, question mark, not question mark. Uh, so I guess I will get right into it. Um, my understanding of the American dream is that it's the national ethos, ethos, ethos of the United States. And essentially what it means is regardless of your background, your socioeconomic um, situation, uh Regardless of where you come from and who you are, you have a shot at, you know, the house in in on the hills with the 2.5 kids and the nice car and the lovely job as long as you work hard. So uh, that being said, I will, I want people's reactions to it. I guess I'll start with Michael since he has his hand up already because he's, Yay. you know, he's such a keener. But anyway, no, no, no. um. Go for it, Michael. What do you, what, what do you think about for the American dream? Um, instead of it being a, uh, ethos, it's more of a pathos at this point. Um, I found it interesting in looking this up, and I'll, I'll read something. This is an article I found in the Smithsonian, and this this paragraph is, is interesting. Um, the American dream has always been about the prospect of success. But 100 years ago, the phrase meant the opposite of what it does now. The original, and this in quotes, American dream, was not a dream of individual wealth. It was a dream of equality, justice, and democracy for the nation. It was not a dream of an individual wealth. It was a dream of, uh, it was not a dream of individual wealth, right? The phrase was repurposed by each generation until the Cold War when it became an argument for a consumer capitalist version of democracy. Our ideas of the American dream froze in the 1950s, and it doesn't occur to anybody that can mean anything else. So I thought that was interesting because it's like what your little intro said, and that generally that kind of is what we've grown up with um, about it, that it is, you know, not necessarily to achieve the epitome of wealth or standing in a community, um, but to better yourself in some way physically or, you know, um, uh, opportunity wise, et cetera. Um, so, so I have the my actual, right. The actual so the, the, was yeah, ideals. Actual yes. Yeah. So, that, that, that's an interesting, and I, I'll let um, Atu okay. or, or George or whoever. Yeah, I was actually going to say, let's, let's throw Tattoo. He's he's new, so welcome, Atu. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, that kind of ties on to what I was thinking about this when you brought up this topic to me, is that there isn't one American dream. There are multiple American dreams because it depends on where that's coming from. So you have the dream of the settlers, right? You can call them the originals for sake of whatever. And that's the house on the hill, you know, 
this and that. But as a community, like it was, hey, we are we are going to make this a, a beautiful place. It was like a starting over. Then later on, you have the, the other side now. After a, a long period of time and everything that has gone on, it's become, well, there's the, this is almost like an entitlement side where, of course, that's the dream is that I can grow up like my pappy and have this and have that and have this. But then there's the other side, too, where there's a dream of people who are come as immigrants, let's say. And their dream is different. Their dream is just to, hey, live a happy life. Okay, fair enough. Regardless of what that would be. And then you have the dream of those who were here for a long time but never had the opportunity for any sort of dream. So their dream is the opportunity itself. Okay. Uh, George, you want to jump in? What do you got? Sure. When I think about the American dream, I I think of it as I'm pretty cynical about it. I think it's a catchphrase for 50s style capitalism and 50s style um, systemic racism in the United States. That's what just comes to mind for me. Because when I think about the American dream, I think it revolves around property ownership, buying that home in the suburbs, having that home to pass down. And in the 50s, when land all across the United States was very cheap, and the boomers and the greatest generation or the greatest generation came home from the war, housing was affordable. All kinds of jobs were paying wages that you know provided disposable income for people in the 50s. And the people that bought land at that time bought it for cheap and were able to legacy, pass it on to boomer generation and Gen X generation and Gen Z generation. Now, I'm still focusing on property ownership because whenever I think of the American dream, I think of the picket fence, the suburban house, the job, the two cars, that 50s style kind of life. 2.5 kids. Right. Yeah. But when but I think about it. a certain it, sector. Yeah. And that most of the people that I know that because in my profession, you don't really make hardly any money. Mm-hmm. to buy houses, to buy property until pretty much least to midway to almost like three-fourths through your career. So the people that were buying houses without having the money to put down for it were getting money through legacies. Their, their parents mm-hmm. owned land. Their okay. grandparents owned land when it was cheap. Mm-hmm. But in the 50s, when all this land was out there to affordable houses, affordable land, that there was systematic racism that people of color were not able to get mortgages. And that was due to the fact that the Federal Housing Administration and the banks would claim that they wouldn't insure people of color moving into white neighborhoods because they wouldn't insure the mortgages. And that was a systemic racism that well, people of color couldn't buy any property at all because the banks would insure their mortgages. So 
there was a lot of people at that time of color that weren't able to amass this wealth that was so abundant in the 50s, and they weren't able to pass it down to their generations in the past in, or in the later on in the future. And I think this is one of the biggest, biggest points of reflecting on systemic racism in the United States is it took wealth from like people of color for that generation. And it hurt the generations to pass that legacy down, to pass that property because it just went up in value and up in value. And right now you can't even buy a house for pretty much a half a million anywhere in Portland or pretty much housing prices are skyrocketing across the United States. So if people didn't have that legacy of buying that property in the fifties, then they stay in that poverty and they stay in that socioeconomic class and the property that they were able to buy that the banks would insure in the fifties and the sixties were in urban environments, which went into urban decay in the seventies and the eighties and lost value. I mean, just now places in the South side of Chicago are finally going up, but they're being gentrified. So the American dream was lost for veterans of the greatest generation of color that weren't able to buy property like the whites, weren't able to pass that American dream legacy to their kids and grandkids that kept a cycle of poverty. So that's Uh, kind of my version of the American dream. And when I think about it. That's why there's three different types. Like that's why it's exactly, which is what you were saying. Like it's no real surprise that the most common uh, uh, definition nowadays of the American dream is for the old white folks. Yeah, it's the wasp dream. It's the settler dream. It's the entitlement that. Yeah. What do you mean? We we. This is my. This is how it should be for me. And once uh, these are right. So the second part is, yeah, the the ones who've been oppressed or looked down upon or disenfranchised disenfranchised that's the word right all they want is opportunity all they're fighting for all we want is opportunity and that gets burned into all they want this no it's just the opportunity which is what the original definition of the american dream dream was yes yeah so do you think it's fair to say then that the American dream <clears throat> is more of a it's it's more personal. It's it's kind of like if you're on one side of the fence, the dream is, you know, ABC. If you're on the other side of the fence, the dream is, you know, you know, DEF, that kind of thing. So the American dream for for let's say those folks who are impoverished, who 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 are of a who are in a in a lower sort of socioeconomic um uh situation their dream is to just get up to the black and not be in the red for Um, lack of a better term i would say that yes there's at least the two you can you can put it just in the the two for the moment um and the ones it's the haves and the have-nots the haves don't worry about it because they have you know and they they'll flaunt what they've got where they have nots they don't necessarily want those things they want to be treated the same way as those people whether they have money or not and they also would not mind the opportunities to be treated equally so they have the opportunities to make themselves better not necessarily i'm going to be a millionaire but just better just better gotcha 
Gotcha. Now, All right. The other side to that is, sorry to interrupt. There's the other side too. Is what you see happening now is when they talk about this right wing shift and why are they so man different in France. It feels so different franchise. Why is it so powerful? What what is what is the driving force? The driving force is money, because now that that shift is happening where the have-nots are looking a lot similar to the haves, right? So now you have yeah. a sect of the ones who always had, who because of, I guess, an influx of whatever and things changing and economies and everything together, they're now seeing themselves as, hold on a second, I'm at the level of them, or I'm getting to the level of them, where I'm seeing the people of, where we're supposed to be going together, but they're looking down at us the same way they're looking down at them. We can't have that. And it's their fault because they're taking out the opportunity, the chance, you know, that whole cycle. Nice. And you see nice. the pushback. So, George, give me give a chance here. George, I want you to jump in on this. I know you have your oh, hand yeah. raised here. Go for it. Well, you know what <laughs> A2 was saying? The American dream is there for all who can afford it. And I like what A2 had said about the American dream for immigrants, which I work in a in a, um, East Portland, and we have a large Russian population. And from what I've read about and experienced, when immigrants, maybe just European or any kind of immigrant comes to the United States, their their goal isn't to get a J-O-B like us. Like, you know, I'm an educator, Aries, a software engineer. They are more innovative. They create businesses because that's what they do in Europe. They don't think about jobs so much. Oh, I'm going to work for Intertech. You know, I'm going to go, you know, maybe to be uh, in a career of service or something. But they start businesses, whether it's fencing, whether it's, you know, putting up fences, automotive. But they they go and see a need and they fulfill it with their own businesses. And they're successful sometimes. I'm sure sometimes they aren't. But I always thought that was a different way of thinking, you know, because when I was a when I was growing up, I had starting a business. Well, I didn't have any money to start a business. Maybe they brought over some money, but that was really not on my mind. Whether through its American education, oh, start your own business. Oh, really? You know that would be ideal. You know, you probably work a lot more owning your own business, and you can't leave it. You leave your job, you know, at the work site. But I thought it was an interesting way of thinking about it. Like, like so what in turn, said. So in turn, isn't that the American dream as well? Isn't because they've come here and now they have the ability to open a business, whether they, whether they have, you can have a ton of money behind you. You can show up with a chest full of jewels and diamonds, but if nobody is going to help you facilitate and you have nowhere to spend said, you know, jewels or diamonds or whatnot to get what you need to get that it's useless. I mean, you know, let's be honest, you know, money doesn't have any intrinsic value other than what somebody's willing to give you, what service they're going to give to you for it. So I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a driving the Ameri- force. What is, yeah. what, are, what are, is driving these people? It's like for us growing up in this society since the fifties, we're a little more complacent and 
this is what we've been told and this is how things work and this is what you should do and you're conditioned this way where the people from the outside come over and go, I just want to feed my family. I want to be successful in some way. I want to get away from whatever brought me here. And so they have a different set of values, a different driving force to be creative, to find a way to move forward where for us, we're conditioned, oh, you go get a job, you work for 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, and then you have a heart attack or something, you know? Gotcha. That's why they do that. Yeah. Go ahead, because, (laughs) And that's that's the the second part. Like, What I was, I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember in the 80s, the 90s, a lot of the, the talk about the American dream, what I got out of it was, it was if you can have an idea or something people want, you can Are you there? Do we lose A2? Dude, do we oh, lose you? Hello? Hello. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's a double mute thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, finish what you're saying. Take two. Yeah. Did you didn't hear any of that? No, we unfortunately missed some of that. So go ahead, try it again. In okay. the eighties. Yeah, yeah. In the eighties. Um yeah, when we were thinking of the American dream, it was if you had a good idea or something, or you could find a niche or something you could do, you could find enough people who were willing to like spend money or or get you that. So a lot of the people, what they wanted to do was just that. That's why they have all these little shops and these this and that or whatever business they're running is just that business. Right, that business brings, and a lot of them, they do way more hours, and it's 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 more of a sacrifice than anybody who was even already here who started a business. Okay, fair enough. Right, and so their dream is that all I want to do is be able to just get this going and have food on the table. And enough to get my kids so they can reap the benefits of this system. You hit the nail on the head right there, but you also, so part of that is that it's, there's a system here. So, you know, the new world, here we are, and, you know, there's opportunity and isn't that the dream though? The opportunity, whether your opportunity focus is land, whether your opportunity focus is to just get out of the red, to get into the black, whether your focus is to um, just have something a little bit better. Doesn't that all constitute the American dream? No. Okay. Why is it that? depends on who it is? Like we just said before, right? Some people, that's not enough. Well, that's, there's a lot that's of not even that's, that's failure. In certain classes, in, in certain groups, but you just you're just making it. Maybe yeah, you don't I, have a cottage. You got to keep up depends. with the Joneses. You don't have you don't have this. You're not going to Cabo next year. Right, right. Well, I think that's a newer generation. I think that's that's a newer generation. That's that's the uh, yes and no. You know, I, 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 I can mean, see where, what you're saying on that area. Maybe that's a newer group of people that would define it that way. I. I don't think I, for mine, for my American dream, as it were, 
mine is similar to what Etu is saying in that condition that, oh, you should get this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, it's chasing this paper dragon, you know, to do this. Um, and so mine really, since I grew up, I just want to do better than what I grew up with. Whatever that takes me to, I would just like to be better and try to be better, like what you were saying, for my kids. So they don't have to mm-hmm. go through what probably were, and but I'll at least say what I considered hardships um, in growing up. Now, at least in my case, you know, I have achieved that. I, you know, have more things tangible. I, you know, I, what, how I've raised my kids, I've stuck with my kids, you know, through a divorce, I raised them and where I'm at financially, I'm comfortable. Um, and, and so forth. So much better than I was raised and, and I grew up with. So I'm happy with where I'm at. Could I have done better? Could I have done, you know, gone to college, got a degree and keep pushing and, you know, made more. Yeah, I suppose so. But what's the point if I'm already happy with what I've got? Well, I mean, that's also dependent on the person too. Again, exactly. I think it's, I think you have to have your own idea. Here's a base. Here's some different ideas of what this dream looks like. How does it apply to you? Each George, individual. let me ask you a question. Oh, sorry. Let me ask you a question, George. Um, you grew up in the Midwest, was it? Where, where, what, what state were you born in? Illinois. Illinois. Uh, Michael, what state were you born in? Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So let me, let me ask this question, and I'll ask this of George first. Do you think you being born in Illinois has you viewing the American dream differently let's say then if you were to be born in say California or New York or even New York city. Um, I don't really think it is. Cause I think suburbs are suburbs, whether it's in the Chicago suburbs or the LA suburbs or the Seattle suburbs. I mean, I grew up pretty much in the suburbs and then moving to the outskirts of more of like the, the fringe suburbs, which were a little more natural. We had forests and lakes and I did some, a lot of outdoor stuff, but um, I think suburbs are suburbs and the culture of suburbs are the same. They were the same in the seventies, you know, instead of whole foods, you had jewel Osco instead of, um, uh, Nordstrom's we had Kmart's. It was, you still had the, the, the strip malls. You still had the same layouts and Chicago, the sprawl was like worse, but yeah, you know, we have the suburbs here in Oregon, but they're just on Hills and, Texas and San Antonio, they're flat. I mean, suburbs are suburbs, okay. <laughs> so I think the culture is kind of the same. All right. Actually, I'm going to jump to a two. A two, you were born in Canada. Mm-hmm. And have you ever thought about the American dream? Is that even something that sort of comes to you? Like, have you ever thought, hey, you know, I can move to the States and do better? Oh, yeah. For... Oh, oh wow! Even when uh, when I was a teenager, uh, my friend, you know Val, his father lived in the states, and we'd go to Syracuse to visit. Those were my first real experiences of what it's like. 
had some good, mostly good, and a couple bad. And I was like, yeah, this would this would be great. But then as I I looked more and more, it was uh, really nothing held me back other than education and opportunity. Opportunity was that because of education, or do you think that mm-hmm. opportunity just it, did you? I mean, I think in all fairness, did you look? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Michael, in my situation, wasn't great. Oh. So, okay. Well, what was wrong with your situation? My, I didn't have the like. I wasn't great in school. Okay. Right, B's and C's. So. You're not going to any school that would have any sort of scholarship or anything like that. Because I wasn't doing it. And my parents didn't have enough money to spend. So it was community just college. just wasn't for you. And well, we, we had, uh, you know, those RESPs? Retired or, Education or RESPs, Savings Plan? Not the RESPs. The. Um, What's the one for schooling? I forget the acronym. It's probably different from what's in the States anyway, so it's probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's one of those funds for, for school. They paid into it. But it did get to a point where it had they had to take it out for the mortgage. So when it came time for school. I had to go for OSAP. Which is the assistance program. Right. Gotcha. And gotcha. Because so you, got, my, you got loans and you, you did Well, because of where my father worked. I didn't get the full thing, so I got a small amount. So we had to use... Yeah. And so it only covered one year. Gotcha. Right, so you had to leave after one year? After second year... Uh, I had to leave and get work. And okay. never went back. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. George, I have a... Qu- no, not George. Pardon yeah, me, Michael. Yeah. Jeez, I keep going, what keep happened going to, to George. Me? Ah. I, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the great question, isn't it? What did happen to you? What um, <laughs> So, when you were... So, you spent some time in the military. Yes. Uh was it ever presented to you as the American dream? Was there ever any sort of uh, I, propaganda maybe? I mean, is that the best way to, to say it <laughs> as far as, you know, Hey, you come join the blah, blah, blah. You can have blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I was uh, now I was born in Hawaii. Like I said, uh, my dad was in the Navy, so he was stationed in Hawaii, which is how I ended up being born there. Um, and then moved around to Texas and then up to Washington. So I grew up in Washington state by the time he retired up there. But, um, even being around the military for the first half of my life at this point, Never really interested me. I don't think it was pushed. I kind of, growing up in the 60s, um, Vietnam, all that, my dad was over there. 
Um, I was never a pro-military, pro-government. I've always had the uh, rebel sort of view on things, anti-establishment sort. So I never bought in into any of that stuff. The only re- and then, <laughs> you know, I go back to my high school reunion once, and uh, so I th- people would say, "Never could picture you in the military." To me, it was right. a job. To me, it was a job. It was just what you know. Didn't have any particular prospects. I mean, you know, like at two there, and so I di- we didn't have money. Nobody ever talked to me about college. Not at school. Not parents. They were divorced, but. No, it was never brought up. So I, I just kind of was drifting. So just uh, one time it's like, well, let me see what the Air Force has. You know, maybe I can learn something there. Um, so I went in for that. I'm not chasing a dream. I'm not chasing, you know, yay military gun ho USA. I'm just like, I'm here for a job. I've got no illusions about, you know, some political thing or anything. Um, and that's how I went into it. Uh, people didn't like that attitude for some reason <laughs> in there. It's, but it's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm here. Train me. I will do my job, which is what I did. You know, I wasn't there to gather medals or anything like that. It's just I'm here to do the job. You teach me. I will do my job the best I can. So everything that I've done, I was always drifting because I didn't have some dr- anything. But just because you can drift doesn't mean you can't learn. And even though I don't have a degree, I am so much better off now than I ever thought I would be just from learning, picking things up, adding one thing to another and keep building on my own stuff. Not to say anybody, everybody else could. They could. It just takes some perseverance and the ability to try something. And maybe that's my American dream. It's just like, I did this myself. I didn't have any student loans because I didn't go to college. I did things my own way, which may not work for everybody, but it's worked for me so far. Gotcha. And George, did you, I believe you spent some time too, did you not, in the military? Yeah, in the Marine Reserves. And Was that? Same question. Was it presented to you that way as well? Did you think oh. that sort of at the end of this term, you can have this, that, and the next thing or the pick of the litter, I guess? Um, yeah, I was more like Michael. I went in, I was a punk rocker and I thought it was going to be fun. I signed up when I was barely 17. Didn't know what I was going to do. So it sounds fun. And and when I was in there, I, was ne- I never drank the Kool-Aid. I knew what it was about. And... But, you know, I just kind of went in as a reservist, just kind of, you know, two days a month afterwards. They didn't really give me anything for they promised stuff like, oh, we'll pay all your college. Yeah, I think I remember, you know, being in the reserves, getting like two hundred dollars a month or something, which wasn't too much. So, yeah, I didn't really like that. (laughs) So mainly when I went in, like I. um, Yeah, I pretty much paid for college myself. I was really, even though it was, we were really low socioeconomically. My mom was a single mom for all I, from what I remember. And in my high school years, she was gone all the time. And I kind of took care of my sister here and there when I was around, otherwise she would be by herself. And when I graduated, my mom graduated and then she got her job. 
And so at that time, but even though it was my, I had my grandmother and my grandfather and my grandfather was really successful. He never went to college. Um, my grandmother was a fifties housewife, so she didn't go to college, but it was always accepted because my dad and my mom went to college that I was going to go to college. So, you know, because of the, the military thing wasn't a career option for me. So I figured, well, I might as well just go to college. So I worked part time and paid for my community college classes and got, you know, did a couple years there. And then I got scholarships into Northern Illinois University where I did some science courses. And then I got a full ride scholarship for an education school in Evanston. So I didn't and my grades in, in high school were awful. I've got C, I had, I had like A's and D's. If I liked the class, I got an A. If I didn't like the class, I didn't show up. So I got a D. So my grade point Fair average enough. wasn't going anywhere for any kind of scholarships or anything at that time. Like I, if I didn't like the <laughs> teacher, I didn't have anything to do with them. Like I'm not yeah. even coming to your class. Yeah. But, yeah. What's so, funny. Yeah. What's funny about that. That just reminded me of something it was similar that I went back I, um, I graduated in 78 and I think it was 88, 89. I went back home on a, t- I was still in the military. I went, um, went back to my old school and telling people what I did. And I, I was, a, I was a linguist, a Russian linguist. And, uh, one of my, my physics teachers said, why, how you could have done so much better in my class. How come you didn't, you know, how do you do this? And you're there. It's like, it was a motivation. It's just like that. I had no idea what physics was, you know, going into it and it didn't really interested me. Why am I doing better at learning a language like this and doing the work? I have to, it's my job. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, it's, it was the motivation or, you know, of, of doing something. <laughs> yeah. You got to say it too. Yeah, I, I hit that back. But then after, I was like, "Yeah, this, this <laughs> I hit the back." You hit the little hand thing, you know. Never mind. Uh, my Take screen my turns off, <laughs> and I guess my screen was on. So when I hit my thing to bring the screen back on, I'm like, "Oh no!" I was right in the middle of explaining stuff. I'm like, oh, I look like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aerie calls on you. It's like, oh, yeah. And then Aerie ah. calls on you. Yeah. Um. And so I wasn't really thinking anything. I was listening to what you guys are saying, and I was being blown away a bit. Um. Actually, <laughs> what it's it's crazy that you say things like, like I guess we we've all kind of had that same beginning type story of just making it, mm-hmm. do what you got to do, mm-hmm. and I know. So, my father, uh, he was born in thirty nine. His his father died when he was four so his mom had five kids and no husband and wow. so they had to kind of pick up the rules he never went to high school because of that but he ended up being a carpenter or whatever and coming to canada with my uncle who's an electrician and they were doing pretty good down there running some like working some hotel or something they came here and i guess it's because i hit would it just dawned on me from what uh, Michael said there was that when I was growing up, when you and, and with George too, when say his mom graduated, is that my parents just like it was just when you're seeing that is what kind of changes you. And my dad, 
when I got to grade six or seven, whatever, my dad's like, listen, I know a lot, but I don't know past this. I can't help you. So he purchased wow. an encyclopedia. And he's like, listen, anything you need to know is in here. Yeah. Is in here. Right. And we go through it and I do and and he told me, listen, because when he came here, and this was his story, like he came here and he was working on the train yard and oh no, he's doing a carpet job, and then somebody's like, Yeah, I'll pay you payday. He's like, No, I'm gonna pay now. And they're like, You get paid payday. He's like, No, I did my job, I want my job, my pay now. Because that's how it's like back home, you do it, you're doing piecework. Right? So that didn't work out. He ended up getting a job working on the train, loading the train cars. And so he's like, hey, they're hiring in the office. What do they need? This. He's like, all right. He goes and learns it. Gets in. Once he gets in, they're like, all right, cool. You're doing this. You got into accounting or whatever. We got this new computer thing, and it has this program. Nobody wants to touch it. He's like, I don't know anything about this, but I'll learn it. Because it's my job. Right. Right? So that Michael ethos, right. I'll learn this because it's my job, yeah. Right? Of <laughs> course, here, why are you guys not learning this? It's part of, like, don't you think? So he learns it. Ends up being something called the SAP, which is something that is huge and, I guess, logistics. And, and it killed a lot of jobs because it automated a lot of services that they needed done. Well, but, SAP is huge everywhere. Right. Yeah. And they didn't, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, they didn't know anything about it. So he, that's who he's telling me, listen, you, if you don't know, that, you could learn it. Right? And he went back, he went to school, he did this stuff to, to move up and do things. And I saw that. And I, I remember what he said. I was like, that's what I did. I floated through. Because you yeah. could, so it's like you know what. My whole career was because I just I was just doing whatever. I did like thirty part time jobs through an agency. Like I've done everything. And it was just because it's like, hey, I'll learn whatever, and hopefully opportunity comes. And it just kind of it's did. an interesting mindset. It's an interesting mindset because, you know, I I. Just judging by um, um, sort of timelines here, obviously Michael is, is, is the oldest. I think George would be next, and then myself, and then you, uh, too. And I can kind of see the similarity. Like you see, sort of Michael's ethic is is very similar to your dad's. You know, it's it's my job, so I need to do it. I'm going to learn it. And I'm going to do the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of see that in in Michael. You know, yeah. You know, he probably dyed his hair a different color or, or listened to music a little louder than his, <laughs> his dad or his mom may have liked to. But, you know, you got the job done and then you go to George and then you sort of see it as, you know, you see you see more of the rebel. But then you see, you know, as time goes on, you kind of see him adopt that as well. And then myself as well. My dad, um, I, I'm a different bird. My dad was was an educated guy he had his master's in you know geography and my mom you know was always a uh she was always into like numbers and accounting and and whatnot and so she she you know 
they had businesses and, and they did things sort of in their life. And so I was, I'll be honest with you, I was a lot more pampered, uh, I would say, probably from the age of about 16 or 17, all of a sudden we just, all of a sudden we had money, you know? <laughs> and I equate the American, so here, I'm, I'm getting the point of this as far as the overall arc of the American dream, is that I kind of feel like you do your time and then you get to enjoy the spoils of your, of your work. And I kind of feel like that, that is not something that is available outside of, you know, outside of North America. I, I kind of feel like that's where, you know, I was thinking what's is, I think it's we're we're holding on to American dream because you're looking at them because that's what we're focused on now. But what is the difference between the American dream? Canadian dream, the the in- Australian dream, dream, the Australian dream, the, the Dubai dream. Because people go to these places and they do the same thing there. Because anytime you, you think of that, like what is the dream of anybody in any I guess democratic system or capitalist system? I don't know what the Western word would be. society? Western society. But but Western, yeah, I guess too. Western, because Western comes from all the way Europe and everything across. But you go to places like my my where my dad's place. She went to work in Dubai. Dubai is a, is a hot spot. Well, it was I don't know if it still is, in that regard. But there's there's other places in the world where people go through the exact same type of of opportunity. Like I know people that went from here and they moved to Singapore. Right? And they made it in Singapore. Yeah, see, and that's the ignorance because I looked at it and they're like, because we, I was, I was like blinded too. Like Singapore, and like, do you know they speak What's English the, there? Yeah, it was because yeah. it was and a, it, a British colony. Yeah, and it's very modern and it's very progressive and it's very and they're they've been there now for over fifteen years. We know people that went to Australia just to go, hey, I was go hang out and stayed there for two years. Because that, that so maybe that opportunity, that whole idea of it, it's not really the American dream, it's just the human dream. dream. Yeah. Of I just want to do better. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to know that I'm progressing my lineage. You that know my kids would do better than my parents. Mm-hmm. And better than me. Do you th- you want to know? Do you think that the same? Sorry, sorry, Michael. Do you think that the same um, biases are being held? So the same. So referring back to the American dream in in America mm-hmm. or the USA, do you think that places like Dubai and Australia and Canada, even or England, whatever, do you think that the American dream is for some and not all? What do you mean? It's a- uh, sorry, George. Let me hear from you. I haven't heard from you in a while. Oh, I, yeah. Of course, it is. There's different yeah. parameters. People, are, every, people of color in the United States are three steps behind white people in the United States because of the past system, systemic racism. So it's going to be hard for them to get to the same point. They would have to work harder or become luckier by some reason to reach the same limit as you know, the highest white person that's 
has the legacy from their ancestors, mm. the mass amassing of wealth through yep. the American dream passed on. So what about places that, like that's, Dubai though? That's and, and that's other different places though. Like when that. you talk about Dubai, we're talking about immigration. When you talk about the systemic racism that's going on in the Western world or in, in us, since we're talking about that, that's different. That's that other group I was talking about where they were the, the oppressed and just wanted the opportunity to be, because they had fans that fought the same war for the same right. types of freedoms right. and the same types of opportunities. Right. And then that wasn't given. It was like, oops, psych. Right. Well, if I could yeah. separate the American dream, you know, where it is for everybody. So that's different. Yeah. And yeah. And, but where it is now, um, is it good for everybody? Uh, you have immigrants that no. come in that, Russian immigrants that are successful with their businesses, but then you got um, Hispanic immigrants that their only choice is to um, open up a, a food truck or that's a different work issue. in the that's, fields. Or that's, that goes on with what's going on right now with Ukraine, and that's I'm, I'm surprised, I have to say, that it's actually being covered that same thing that. Why is it that they seem to have a bit of a better situation than other folk? Because they're white, right? They look white. They look, yeah, and yeah, man, it's it's. I forget the name of it. Um, one of Aries' friends brought it up. She said the name of it. I forget the name of what it is, but uh, yeah, there's a th- there's a name for it. Is where you. Similarities tend to to bring. You can that. relate to them. You can relate to them. They can. You see them. They can relate to them. That they're like me, right? And so there's an implicit bias that's just there. Now, interesting on that, and I was going to say it touched on this, um, on all that of the things I learned in the military, the things they didn't. They'd rather you not learn. Um, when I was. In language school, our instructors were Russians at the time, Soviet Russians, ones that were finally allowed to escape the Soviet Union, so they were Russian Jews. Um, So those are the ones that taught us in the Defense Language Institute. And we got to know them, of course, and their personalities, and they would talk to us about what life was like in Russia at that time and so forth. But what I got out of all that was they're just like us. They have dreams, they have hopes, they have desires. They're just like anybody else. This country, that country, everybody is the same. Governments may hate each other or the people that are in the governments at specific times may hate, envy, whatever other governments or peoples. But the people themselves and even though I'm with specifically Russians and the, the Americans that I was familiar with, but I'm sure that it's, it, it could spread to all of them. They're the same everywhere. Hopes, dreams, want better for themselves, for their family, shelter, food, whatever. Whether you call it an American dream, whether you call it a Nigerian dream or anything else, everybody has those wants and desires and hopes. Not everybody gets the chance to do anything about them which is unfortunate. 
We see that happening right now in real time. Yeah. You look at that, the, the Russian people, and there's all these people go, why are we doing this? And the other ones who are part of the propaganda machine, who I didn't know how bad it was. They haven't actually seen anything outside. They're thinking, well, they're hitting us. Why? If they had known the truth, it'd be different. And that's, you could, and that's, you know that's true because he's hiding everything from them. Mm-hmm. Because we all do have that innate same feeling about each other and about life and where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And only because they're fed lies, if they knew the truth, and that he has to hide it. Because we are, because then, because he knows that if they see that, they're going to relate because we all were the same everywhere in the world. You just want the same thing. Right? And fair it, enough. It's just yep, hard, harder for some than others. <laughs> and these obstacles that are put in place, it, it's, it's hard to think of how, how would you get rid of them? And Most of them are time. man-made obstacles. All of them are man-made obstacles. Yeah, true. And, and All right, guys. Uh, this is We're coming down to about the last uh, nine minutes or so. So uh, give me one way from each of you, one way that the American dream is true, but the American dream at the same time is not true. Uh, let's, I guess I'll George. Um, the American dream is true if you, you work and you can make your life better. And if you, if you visualize yourself not at the same place, but always moving forward, always improving, then those opportunities, like we discussed before, will be presented to you because you're always looking and you're not settling. You keep looking, you keep doing your job, and then something pops up. Hey, I'll do that. And then I'll do that. I think that's true. As you put yourself out there, you open yourself up to many experiences and you get to choose those experiences and the ones that will make you more successful in how you think success should be. Um, Where it's not, there's barriers, financial barriers, there's opportunity barriers that you need to overcome. Some of them you can't overcome, of course. Some of them kind of keep getting in your way. And whether those are barriers from the government or from the, you know, from the state or anything like that, then you, you have to overcome those. But I don't think it's, it's true for everybody on the same level. I think there's different starting positions to reach the American dream. And I think some people are starting further ahead and some people are starting further back. Thanks, George. Uh, Michael. <sighs> something American dream that's not true. The existing American dream is not true. It's it's what's you're fed by the powers that be through rose-colored glasses. The ones that make the the ones that live by that dream are the ones that have already been given that dream. What's uh, American dream is true. Define it yourself. What will make you happy? What will make you feel content? What what will help you and yours? And do your best to achieve that as much as you can. Even a little bit will help. Cool. Appreciate it. 
And we'll round out the uh, the topic here with uh, a two. Go for it. Well, where it's true is that yes, and the other guys have already touched upon this, is that if you have the right criteria, let's say, then yes. If you check box A, B, and C, then you're in the club. Right? And anybody can get in the club is just a lot harder. Like whenever you see somebody who you're not who's not supposed to, like, oh they had to overcome. Like you did oh they made it. And that that's not I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like you you have trying to be nice. You don't have to be. You can say say what you want. Try this to, is open. It's just us. It's just us. <laughs> it's only that idea of the American dream is only really there for the colonizers. And Fair everybody enough, else, guys. the dream is to fight to get opportunity to be, to have the same things that they have. And that's it. And I think that's the same everywhere. Fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, guys, I know this was this was actually a tough one to talk about because, you know, we, we, we tend to sort of create these bubbles for ourselves and what we want to talk about. But there's a lot of overlining uh overlining things that we've said today and I do appreciate you guys giving me your thoughts on it. Um thanks to two for coming out and playing the game. <laughs> your consolation prize you. is in the mail. <laughs> it's anyway, checks it's in the mail. Don't <laughs> mind if it bounces. <laughs> Wasn't easy cash prize, no cash included. <laughs> That's right. So, all right guys. Uh thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.